0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: WGR Sports Radio 550. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. To lead the pack, Bad Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron Well, We got all of that. The crowd is standing on its feet here at Augusta, the normally reserved Augusta crowd, going wild for this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere. He's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a 5 I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. Looks like he's got about an eight. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. A former greenkeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! On WGR Sports Radio 550.
0: Caddyshack, one of the great sports movies of our time here Bill Murray with a beautiful beautiful rendition of a Masters champ going into his final hole he's got about an 8 iron now oh that's a beautiful shot he got all of that one Brayton Wilson here with you on a beautiful Saturday morning here. 907 is the time. Derek Kramer running things on the board here for the show this morning. 803-0550 is our number one Triple 550 2550 You can also reach us out on Twitter at WGR550. You can reach myself, Brayton J. Wilson at BJ Wilson WGR. And you can also reach Derek Kramer at Derek Kramer49. So Last hour, we spent talking mostly about the Buffalo Bills and the game plan for Jimmy Garoppolo week four of the season, what we could expect from that. We also have talked about Bill Belichick. We've also talked about the running backs, their situation. Uh, so if you absolutely, if you want to bring that back up and you want to chime in with your opinion on what the Bills should do come week four for Garoppolo, how they need to prepare to try and beat the Patriots week four, 803-0550 implications of what that can mean for week 8. Also, give us a call there 188-550-2550. So, with that golf open, now I want to switch over to the Open Championship going on right now. I know it's considered the Open, but I think that if a lot of people, you know, a lot of people around here probably wouldn't understand what the Open really is. So, the Open Championship, it's the third major golf event of the year going on right now at the Royal Troon's in Scotland. Where Phil Mickelson leads the way at 10 under par. He will tee off in about an hour here. And he'll tee off with Henrik Stenson of Sweden. He's one shot behind Mickelson at 9 under par. Soren Keltson and Keegan Bradley are right behind the two at 7 under. And last year's, British, uh, last year's Open champion, Zach Johnson, is at 5 under. He'll tee off at 10 o'clock. But... The one thing that I really wanted to to bring up today, and I know this has been a topic of many, is Tiger Woods. You know, he's been hurt a lot. He's he's been out of the game for, for quite some time. Uh I think the last event that he played in the PGA was back in August, so it's almost been a full year since Tiger Woods has played an actual event. Uh he's had back issues, knee issues. Uh it's it's been a really, really rough road since he last won um, a major championship back in two thousand eight at the US Open. For Tiger Woods, though, um I hope that he makes his comeback. I hope that he wins again and he has some success before you know his golf career ends. I mean, he is forty years old now. He's he's getting nowhere younger than what he is already. So with Tiger, I think A lot of people want to see him win again just because he was so fun to watch when he was winning all these tournaments. He won his first major back in 1997 at the Masters uh, when he was 21 years old and since then has won 13 more. So he's got 14 majors overall, which is just unprecedented for a guy in this age. I know that uh, Jack Nicklaus holds the all-time record with 18 majors and at one point we all thought Tiger Woods was certainly going to get there. He was, you know, he was on top of his game, hitting the ball really, really well, making all the good shots that he needs to make. And then of course, injuries, uh he had his whole situation with his wife and that whole scandal, and since then he's never been the same. Never been the same. Tiger Woods in a major at least has just been He's been in a couple of tournaments. Not like he's been out of it. But at the same time, you know, you want to see him do well. And the last time he finished in the top five of a major was at the Masters in 2013. He didn't even make the cut the past three majors. The PGA Championship, the Open Championship, and the U.S. Open in 2015. Didn't even make the cut for those. Didn't participate in the U.S. Open and the Masters in 2014. And the last time he finished in the top three was with a tie in the top three in the Open Championship in 2012. It's been rough for Tiger Woods. We hope he wins again. But what I want to bring is not, can Tiger ever win again? I want to bring up this question to you listeners. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty is the number one. AAA-552-550. Can anyone... Can anyone on the current PGA Tour be able to do what Tiger Woods has done? Be so dominant for an eight, nine-year stretch, winning all these majors, just winning everything, winning money, trophies. You know, can anybody pull off what Tiger Woods did? We all thought Jordan Spieth was going to do that because he won two majors in a row, last year's Masters and last year's U.S. Open. And since then, he's come close. A lot of people thought he was going to win, you know, the whole shebang with the Grand Slam. But, you know, he came up just short in the Open last year and then was second in the PGA, in the PGA Championship. Tied for fourth, by the way, last year in the Open Championship. Arguably last year's best golfer. Uh, This year... He tied for second at the Masters, had that really, really, I think it was hole 11 at the Masters where he just had three terrible shots and triple bogeyed or something like that and had the lead, had a three-shot lead, I believe, lost the lead, and Danny Willett went on to win the Masters this year. He was tied for 37th at the U.S. Open just about a month ago. Uh, That tournament was won by Dustin Johnson, but, I mean, right now Jordan Spieth is not really playing that well. He has completed his third day, third round at the Open, and today shot a one-over. So he's at five-over for the tournament, and he was on a really good roll right off the bat. Four birdies in his first seven holes, bogeys the ninth, bogeys the tenth, double bogeys the eleventh and then bogeys the 15th, and then finishes with one over. So Jordan Spieth, a kid, I mean, he was was young. I think he was the youngest to ever win the Masters, and just recently has been okay, but not great. Another golfer that, I mean, maybe could do it is Dustin Johnson. I mean, it it was great to see just Dustin Johnson win the U.S. Open last month. It was his first champ major championship in golf ever, and he had finished in the top five like five times prior in his career. I know last year at the U.S. Open, he was within – I mean, he went to the 18th hole leading Jordan Spieth by one shot and then missed – he missed – Two putts on the 18th and lost, handed Jordan's beat the championship. But with with golf, I want to know: Is there anybody in the current PGA or future PGA? I'm, I'm not really good with the future golfers, so I mean, if anybody wants to call in and give me a future golfer, that would be that would be pretty good. Um, who's maybe an amateur or something like that? But who could possibly? Be the next Tiger Woods. And honestly, I don't know if there's anybody. It's so difficult to determine that because Tiger Woods, again, so dominant for a 10-year stretch. Just best golfer in the world, hands down, no doubt, from really from like 1997, 98, 99, he was young. And then in 2000, he won three of the last, he won the last three majors, Vijay Singh won the Masters in 2000, and then Tiger Woods went on to win the U.S. Open, the British Open at that point, and then the PGA Championship. And from there, he took off. He, you know, He's gotten 14 majors and since then hasn't done really much at all. He's been struggling a lot. But, Derek, I, I know that you're not really much of a golfer, but you you grew up watching, you know, knowing Tiger Woods and knowing how dominant he can be. What are the realistic chances we could ever see a dominant golfer like Tiger Woods ever again? If it's going to happen, it's going to it's going just come out of nowhere, honestly. But I don't like the odds of it ever happening again. And Tiger Woods was not just a different player because of how dominant he was. He was different because of the fact that there was an attitude to him that was, I'm going to beat you and I don't care if you like it or not. Right, and he always wore red on the final round because it's just sort of like his calling card. His his cutthroat attitude was probably, I think, the coolest thing about the dominance of Tiger Woods. Oh, Tiger Woods when he was young and, and winning you everything. Him, and you watched him, even if you loved him, you watched him if you hated him. Yeah. You watched him to hope he would lose, or you watched him to see if he could do it again. And honestly, I don't think there was a lot of people that wanted him to lose all the time. I mean there I think there's more of a of a population that every major tournament you'd want to see Tiger win. You want to see him get close to Jack Nicholas for the all-time wins with 18. You want to see him get to 18, you want to see him break 18, win 19, win 20. Because no other golfer has done anything close to what Tiger's done except for Nicholas. And honestly, with with the field that is out there today, there's some really good young golfers. I mean, again, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, they're good. Ricky Fowler's another good one. I really like Ricky Fowler. But Ricky Fowler hasn't really won any... He hasn't won a major. I mean, he's won one major. I'm trying to find it here. I I feel like he's won one at least, right? He's had to have won one. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm kind of drawing a blank here but Ricky Fowler's a, again a young golfer really good young golfer you want to see a guy like him win i know that he wears like orange on the final round or something he he's he's incredibly radical with his outfits which is kind of unique it's not john daly radical or john daly where we're pineapple pants going into the first round of a tournament but Ricky Fowler he's he's stylish he's he's got he's got gumption when he goes out on in the golf course, and that's, that's stuff that we want to see in golfers because a lot of people see golf as, God, it's such a boring sport. I mean, these guys are just shooting a little ball, trying to get it in a hole. Like, why is it fun? But then you see a guy like Tiger Woods wearing red in the final round. You see Ricky Fowler wearing orange, all orange. I'm not going to lie. This is how out of touch I am with golf. I didn't know that that was a big deal. I, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal to see guys... You wearing c- wearing colors is not okay. <laughs> no, I mean like I think I think wearing go- colors, you know, isn't the only thing though. I think it's attitude on the course because Ricky Fowler has this attitude. Jordan Speed has this attitude. They've got confidence out there. Another guy that's got confidence all the time is a guy like Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watts. Phil Mickelson who's the leader of this tournament, he's a he's mostly an emotion guy. I mean, we saw it in day 1 where he almost shoots a record 62. In the and, tournament, and then you saw that disappointment on his face. Oh, the 18th hole—that was such a good shot, and it just slipped out. And you—and you saw it after that. He's just like, "Oh, come on! That close, that close to nailing that birdie, and being the only person to ever shoot a first-round 62 in a major tournament—it's incredible. Really, really incredible." And and I think a lot of people are pulling for Phil. A lot of people are pulling for Phil in this tournament just because he's been one of those really, really good golfers for a long time. I mean, Phil Mickelson, he's won five majors. The last major he won was in 2013 when he won the British Open, the Open Championship. Can he do it again? We certainly hope so. I think another guy that I'm leaving out here is Roy McElroy. Roy McElroy's already won four major championships and won his first one back in 2011. He has yet to hit for the Grand Slam, though. Uh, he had a couple of chances at the Masters. It's the one championship he has not won. But Roy McElroy's another one of those young golfers who's fun to watch. He's got good energy. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, we can't have this one golf, just one golfer. That is just above everyone else because that's what Tiger Woods was in his tenure golfing. And, you know, he's still golfing, but, you know, he's he's rehabbing. He's trying to get back. And from apparently from what I heard the last time that he even got on a course and was teeing off any, you know, doing anything golf related. uh, He he hit like three consecutive shots into the water. And the hole was only like 120 yards away or something. I mean, it was like a par three tournament or something. And it's sad to see Tiger Woods take this huge dip down and kind of be irrelevant in golf now. But what's your take? Can anyone in golf right now overtake or not overtake, but get to a level that Tiger Woods was years ago, be so dominant and win these majors? I think Rory McElroy showed that he could. But he's kind of stepped off a little bit. He hasn't won a major championship since the PGA Championship in 2014. Now, can a guy like Jason Day, who's the number one golfer in the world right now, overtake that? Be the next dominant guy? Can a guy like Dustin Johnson overtake it? 803 550 550 Two five fifties number. I actually, am, <laughs> I'm actually kind of, you know, kind of paying attention to the to the Open Championship. It's on the TV here in the studio, and I've and already today, I've seen some really really good shots. Guys chipping and, you know, making these incredible shots, and they're sinking. They're sinking it in from you know outside of the green, chipping it in. However they do it, I mean, I like to golf. I go out every once in a while and go golfing. And I will be a little biased here. I always want a guy like Phil Mickelson or Bubba Watson to win because they're lefties. I'm a lefty. I love watching lefties golf because it's such a rare commodity to see a left-handed golfer succeed. I mean, there's only been a small handful. Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson. Another guy that's been notable for winning is Mike Weir. Mike Weir, the Canadian, he's a lefty. He won the 2003 Masters. I love... Seeing lefties go out on the course, I'm always rooting for Phil Mickelson, so for the next two days, I'll be rooting for Phil Mickelson. That's my guy because he's so good, he's a lefty, he hits the ball really well, and I've always loved and I've always loved following Phil Mickelson because for a point years ago when Tiger Woods was dominant right on top, Phil Mickelson was kind of that number two guy, and he's you know he's not number one anymore because it's kind of. Evened itself out everywhere. I mean, of course, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, Rory McElroy, all these guys that are young and have the potential to be really good golfers. They're all kind of in an even field here. They're not dominant. They're not. I mean, they're dominant against most of the field, but they're not. They're, there's not one golfer that's above everyone else. That's what Tiger Woods was. Phil Mickelson, at a point, was number two. He was above everybody else, too. But since then, he's gotten older. I think he's 46 now. But still, it's great to see Phil Mickelson come out in this tournament and dominate the way he did, especially in the first round. It was so fun to watch. And one of these days, I really hope to see, really, really hope to see a golfer dominate and be like Tiger Woods because it's fun to watch a guy like Tiger Woods play. He wears the red on the final day when he's leading he's you know he's high energy he's you know fisting the or pump pumping his fists and it's just incredible to watch a guy like that play golf at such a competitive high level that he does and I really hope that Tiger can come back one day win a championship but I'm also hoping for a guy to take that reign, to take those reins, take over as that dominant player, be the number one guy for a long stretch of time, be the guy that, you know, shows confidence out there and can win lots and lots of championships. I hope it's Jordan Spieth. I hope it's Roy Macro, I hope it's one of these guys. But I know that I'll be rooting for Phil Mickelson the rest of the tournament, and I hope that he will come away with the winner. And If not him, I'd love to see a guy like Henrik Stenson win. He's a good golfer. I don't know much more about Henrik Stenson, but I I have watched his game, and I do like Stenson. He's a strong guy. He's He's got a good shot, and I think that he could very well come back to win this tournament. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the number here, one aa 552 550 When we come back, Nick Filipowski from WKBW Channel 7 here in Buffalo will join us. We'll talk some Sabres hockey development camp. I also want to ask him about the Bills and what, you know, bring it up again. What do the Bills need to do to try to take Garoppolo off of his game and beat the uh, beat the Patriots in week 4. That's all coming up next right here on WGR. All right, back here on WGR Sports Radio 550. In case you missed any of the conversations that we've had, you can always find every show that we have on our station here on demand at our website w g r five fifty dot com you can also follow us on twitter at w g r five fifty you can follow myself brayton wilson at b j wilson w g r you can find anything really golf takes hockey takes football takes baseball takes i'm really up for anything but Right now, of course, the Open Championship going on in Scotland. Phil Mickelson will tee off at 10:20. He leads the leaderboard right now with 10 under par. Henrik Stenson right behind him at 9-under. Uh, one of the notable guys that is starting to make his climb up the leaderboard, I know it's early, but it's Ricky Fowler. He's at 2-under for the day, 3-under for the tournament, and he's through five holes. But uh, really just, you know, again, conversation. If you want to chime in, 8030550 one 550 2550 can anybody take over the game of golf like Tiger Woods did years ago and be as dominant for that such a long stretch? And I want to bring that question up right now as we go to the AT&T hotline. We have Nick Filipowski from WKBW in Buffalo. Nick, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Doing well. Thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. And uh, I guess I'll ask you the question right off the bat. Do you think there's anybody out there in the golf world? I, I don't know how much you follow golf, but is there anybody out there that could that could be able to dominate a field like Tiger Woods did years ago when he was on top of his game?
2: I don't think so. I think if you look at, I guess, athletes and, and what they're able to accomplish like Tiger or even Serena Williams or you know Novak Djokovic or, or Roger Federer, I think it's a unique breed of athlete that's able to – Accomplish what they're able to do. And I feel like when we have, you know, young guys like Jordan Spieth and, and, and Ricky Fowler, um, and Rory McIlroy, we, we want to, you know, they have a couple good tournaments and they win a major, you know, and their, and their game is on fire. We just want to kind of label them and put them in the category of they're the next, they're the next Tiger Woods. And I think that's kind of a, a knee jerk reaction, so to speak, because I, I, I don't think, we're going to see that kind of greatness for a while.
0: Do you think Tiger will ever come back, ever regain maybe some of the play that he was able to get years ago, and maybe win another major? No,
2: I mean he might win win another major, maybe. Um, but I just feel, you know, in, in looking at you know when he walked away from the game for a couple years or you know a couple months, um, and then came back to play. It was always, you know, Tiger's back. Tiger's gonna play, and then it was the leg injury. Then it was the back injury. Then it was, you know, he had a couple good rounds, and then, you know, things started to go awry. And then it was, oh, it's his, it's his back again. I, I always feel I, like maybe that's like a mental crutch, so to speak. Again, I'm not, I'm not a world-class athlete, so I don't know, you know, what what the rigors physically are. But I feel like everybody wants him to be back, but now <laughs> it's kind of to the point where, you know, you're 40 years old. It, it, you know maybe maybe you're past your prime, I guess you know forty years old that uh, i guess us uh mere mortals non non professional athletes doesn't seem very old um but uh I, I don't think he's gonna regain what he had.
0: Nick Filipowski from WKBW here in Buffalo joining us on the at t Hotline. Nick, let's switch over to the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, development camp just wrapped up this past week on Tuesday. Uh, you know, the the Sabres took part in the scrimmage on last week's Saturday and then the three-on-three tournament. You were there for both of those games. What is your evaluation of the young group of prospects that we had and what kind of a future do you see these this group having uh, with the Sabres?
2: You know, Looking back at what you know, Tim Murray's comments, you know, right after the draft, and Dan Bosma on drafting speed and skill. I mean, if you were at you know Harbor Center, you know, even for the open practices, or the Blue and Gold scrimmage, or the French Connection tournament, I mean, you had a front row seat to the to the kind of speed and the kind of fun, um, so to speak, that the future holds for the Sabres. I mean, they really. You know, put on a clinic. I mean, you know, Alex Neilander. I know he just signed his entry-level contract. You know, he he could battle for a spot. You know, in Buffalo, I, I think he ends up in, in AHL for for a good amount of time this this next year. But there's there's a a good reason to be excited um, with the direction that that this franchise is going. And I think there's 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 a buzz, and it's a good buzz. It's really exciting to
0: see. Yeah, and, and, and I think I agree with you 100% on that. And I want to touch base with you on Neilander. Of course, as you mentioned, he did sign his entry-level contract, and he has the options. He has a lot of options. He can go back to Sweden and play in Sweden in the Professional Hockey League there. He can go back to the OHL, play with Mississauga, or he can make the Sabres right off the bat, or he can go play with the Amherst. Do you think there's a chance, a good chance that he could play with the Sabres this year and... If so, where do you see him fitting in on the Sabres roster right now?
2: Oh, right now, that's a good question. I think I think there's still um I think I think there's gonna be some, some good roster battles in the you know, when, when training camp does roll around, especially with, you know, uh, Carrier, Fashing and Bailey who I mean, as expected, I mean they're kind of veterans of, of development camp and, you know, they did have their you know, Bailey just wrapped up his first pro season. Carrier's been in a couple of years, and even Nick Keith, you know, he was with uh, you know the Amherst last year. There's going to be some good roster battles um, in training camp. Could he make, you know, could, could Nealander, you know, beat those guys, so to speak, for you know, beat them out for a roster spot? I, I think there's a there's a chance that could happen. You know, maybe he could play, you know, on the wing with uh, with Jack. Uh, but it's going to be very interesting to see how he, you know, in training camp, and I guess in the, in the preseason. Um, how he stacks up against more mature guys, guys who have, had, who have been in the NHL or the AHL system, you know, have you know have had the weight training, you know, the 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 proper you know health training in terms of food you're putting in your body so that you're you're ready to go, you know, for an 82 game stretch. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see you know how those how those battles shake out. But I mean, knee jerk reaction, I mean. He's, he's fun to watch. He he really does dazzle when he touches the puck, Newlander.
0: Nick Filipowski from WKBW here on the at t Hotline. Nick, a guy that really, really stood out at, at camp was Justin Bailey. I think that arguably he has a chance to make the roster right off the start. I mean, of course, there's got to be some other factors that, that play into Bailey making this roster, but... Do you see the same as I'm seeing that Bailey could play right away in the NHL or is it going to take a little bit of time? And when he does get up here, do you think that a spot for him here is a a possibility where he can play more than 40 games a year, half the season?
2: I think so. I know that was, you know, coming into this development camp. I know his goal was to really show Tim Murray and Dan Bilesman and the rest of the coaching staff, you know, something that they haven't seen from him before. Um, I think it was very telling after the French connection tournament wrapped up, uh, you know, Murray said, you know, Justin Bailey was a man. I think that was very telling. I think, you know, they wanted to see him, you know, be that, that physical presence and be assertive with the puck and and be engaged and be in, you know, on, on every play and be in the dirty areas and, and not be afraid to, um, you know, kind of make things happen. Um, on his own. I I think, you know, he really stood out in, in, in that area.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, Justin Bailey was a, a man among boys in this camp, in this development process for the Sabres. And I think the chances of him making this roster coming right out of training camp may not be as great as, as some may think, but Uh, I definitely think that he'll be the first call-up throughout the season, and I think that he'll see some considerable time in the NHL this year. Who's another guy, in your opinion, that from this development camp, watching them play that's going to be playing in the AHL, who's another guy that you can see seeing some considerable time up in the NHL this upcoming season for the Sabres?
2: Um, Maybe not in the AHL. Um, You know, I I really think a guy that stood out to me, a non-skill guy, um, was really... Cal Peterson. And I actually, you know, Saturday before the Bloom Gold scrimmage, I actually had a conversation with uh, with Paul Hamilton um, about Cal. And I was thinking about it last night after you know we had touched base and the guy knew I was going to be on. Um, but thinking about guys who had drawn some oohs and ahs, you know, from development camp. And usually, you know, the skill guys are the ones who, who usually draw the biggest crowd reaction. Um, but I, I covered the USHL for a couple of years, the Sioux City Musketeers, I know uh, Ryan Mantha's um, you know, in, in, in the Sabres system, I'm very familiar with his game. Uh, but Cal Peterson played for Waterloo, and they're big rivals with Sioux City. And it was, you know, when when those two teams would, would come to town, you know, we do the preview stories, you know, with the coaches, and it was they were never worried about the skaters on the ice. It was always how do we how do we beat Cal Peterson? Hmm. And he looked great in net. The future is very bright for the for the Sabres. Um, you know, I think in net. Um, especially with Cal, I know always had a, a very stellar career with Notre Dame so far. Um, but uh, in terms of the oohs and ahs that he was drawing from the crowds, with you know, within you know, stretching back across the you know, across the the crease to to make a kick saver or diving for a glove saver. Um, I know Cliff Pooh came down one time and he just kind of swung, uh, you know, Cal just kind of swung his stick and knocked, uh, you know, knocked the puck out of the air. I mean. Cal is a very, very impressive goaltender, and you haven't seen him play. He uh, he dazzles. It's really a lot of fun to watch Cal play.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Sabers really getting a really nice value player to Cal Peterson. Uh, I believe w- he was drafted, I mean, in the mid to later rounds of, of the draft back in, what, 2013, 2012, something like that in that area? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that he has, the, he has a great chance to become the future goaltender. And I know Paul Hamilton has definitely said that on the air here, but uh, Nick Filipowski joining us here from WKBW here in Buffalo channel seven. Nick, I also want to ask you about uh, the the current draft class, the, this year's past, this past year's draft class, aside from Alex Nylander, who was a, a big standout player for you, who who caught your eye in de- in the scrimmage and also in the, in the three on three
2: tournament. Um, I liked, I liked how, uh grass ass one play. I really, I really did. He seems, um, I wasn't too familiar with his game once, you know, when he got drafted. Um, but this is a kid who seemingly every time, you know, hit the ice for a shift. Um, he, he was engaged, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't wait for something to happen. He made things happen. Um, you know, if there was a, you know, a, a, you know, a turnover, his, his back check was always strong. Um I think he to me he, he really stood out as well.
0: I, I I have to ask you as well. Uh really I think the, the Saber's newest Twitter darling uh in Buffalo is Vasily Glototh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's he is he's a he's a character to talk to. He's always got a smile on his face. He seems really genuinely happy to be here. What did you think of his development camp? Because personally, I thought he had one of the better development camps for the, not only the draft class this past year, but I thought he showed some really good promise. And I mean, he's going to be playing in North America this year in Cape Breton in the in the queue.
2: I th- I think uh, a character is a good way to describe it. I mean, You want to talk about a kid that just is really loving life and, and loving the adventure that he's on right now? I mean, there's. There's there's your guy. I mean, if you're looking for, like, a Monday motivation, just go to his Twitter account and, and go have yourself a day. Uh, but I agree. I mean, he was he was very, very impressive. I know, uh, you know, in the three-on-three tournament, watching how some of the games started, he was one of the guys that I kind of kept an eye on to begin with. Um, it looked like he struggled a little bit early on, um, but then his game, you know, did pick up to a certain extent. I know, uh, you know, Dan Lambert talked about that, uh, you know, once, once development camp wrapped up. Um, but he, you know, I, I, the future is very bright with him, and if he, you know, stays as, as fun-loving and 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 as open and uh, as much of a character as he is, it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to cover him, uh, you know, in in Buffalo if he makes it up here mm-hmm. in the near future.
0: Absolutely. One more Sabers question I want to ask you, and I'm sure you've been asked this a lot: Jimmy Vc. The Sabers <laughs> have talked to Jimmy Vc. <laughs> i i i get i get by the reaction how many times you've been asked by that but jimmy vc of course he's going to be of course he's most likely going to be going to august 15th to hit the free agent market i mean do you, what what is your take from this whole situation how do you feel about the whole jimmy vc saga going on in buffalo here and do you think that they're you know that the chances for buffalo signing a guy like vc is in their favor
2: I mean, having the exclusive rights doesn't hurt. I mean, they're the ones who get to make the first pitch. So that's mm-hmm. always you know you always want to be the you know the first ones in, um, you know, to be able to kind of set that tone and be able to you know show what you have to offer and, and what the, what the franchise has to offer in the direction that they're going. Um, you know, it's interesting. Sean and I actually talked about it last night. Um, you know, the the interview with Joe Haggerty, you know, CSN. Um, New England, that he did. I thought it was a very telling um, in terms of. Uh, I, I I maybe I'm looking too too far into it, but um, you know he is going to he's going to drag this thing out. Uh, and maybe drag out is the wrong wrong phrase, but he is going to you know go to August 15th. Um, he does have a short list of teams that he he wants to talk to ahead of making his decision. Um, does he end up with the Sabers? I I don't know, you know the you know when I talked to to his representatives and his agents, it's the same thing. You know we're we're going to August fifteenth, and we're really not backing away from that. And um, you know I I I don't know what uh you know which which direction he's leaning. Um, you know it's going to be an interesting you know couple weeks and, and months to see how this really all plays out. Figured
0: I had to ask, just, just yeah. throw it out there. Uh. I'll, th- I'll throw you one last question here. I want to switch focus now to the Bills. Tom Brady, of course, he's not going to play Week 4 against the Bills. He's taking the suspension, the four games. So, what's the one key the Bills need to do Week 4 to beat the Patriots in Foxborough?
2: To be honest, I'm not even worried about Week 4. I want to see how they do in Week 1 on that short week. You go to Baltimore, and you got to come back, and you got to have that Thursday night opener. Mm-hmm. I think that's that first week, two games in four days, it's going to be very telling to see what kind of team this is um, and what the defense looks like. Um, it's that's, that's, That, I think, is what what the focus should be right now, um, and especially considering everything that's, that's gone on in the offseason, especially in the last 24 to 48 hours. The focus really has to be on Baltimore and then the Jets and then Week three, and then you can get to Jimmy G.
0: All right. Well, Nick, thank you for taking the time this morning to join us here, and uh, hopefully we'll get the chance to talk to you real soon. Maybe uh, maybe we'll have something, uh, some good news on the VC front and maybe some other things with Bill's talk. So, Nick, again, thank you, and hope you have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Thanks, guys. All thank right. You. Thank you, Nick. Nick Filipowski from Channel 7 WKBW here in Buffalo on a number of topics, golf, sabers, and also a little bit of Bill's talk there at the end. When we come back, we'll wrap things up here. We'll have one or two more thoughts on the the topics that we've talked about today. So we'll be right back right here on WGR. One more segment here on WGR before we hand things over to Tony Caligiri and Inside High School Sports. Again, a huge thanks to Nick Filipowski for joining us here this morning on the AT&T Hotline. And, of course, you can always find those interviews available on demand at WGR550.com, as well as a lot of other cool things on our website with web stories and other cool nifty things. WGR550.com. Again we've touched base with a lot of different things today the bills with Rex Ryan or excuse me not Rex Ryan but with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of and with how Rex the Ra- Ryan yeah kind of Rex Ryan but with how the Ryan brothers should sort of game plan against Garoppolo how much it would be a factor for uh for or how much credit Bill Belichick really deserves for the success that New England has had over the past few years. We've also touched base of course with the Open Championship. Uh it looks like it's starting to rain again at the Open Championship which uh if it was anything like yesterday. Yesterday was a torrential downpour raining sideways. Guys were wearing gloves and wearing, you know, like ponchos basically <laughs> trying to trying to fight off the conditions but um you know, if it if it rains in the uh, in the later portion of this round, that could create a change at the top of the leaderboard, not only for Phil Mickelson, but it could create changes for guys like Henrik Stenson and some of the other guys that are sitting at let's say seven under. But uh, and then we also touch base with the Sabers uh, with you know Neilander signing, what his options are for next year. Again, Neilander he can play in Sweden in the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, I believe his rights are held by Rogley, if that's how you say it correctly. But um, Swedish names are always difficult for at least the team names, but um, he could go back to Sweden. He can go back to the Ontario Hockey League to play with Mississauga, where he was Rookie of the Year in the OHL and also the CHL last year. Really showed some good promise with his skill. Of course, his skill set is already fantastic. His mindset, you know... It won't take him long to catch up to the professional game. It's just the physical. It's just his physical play and his size that needs to be able to catch up. Sort of like Sam Reinhardt when he first came in in 2014. His mindset was there. He was up to pace with the with you know the mind of the game.
2: He just wasn't physically ready.
0: His skill set, yeah, exactly. He wasn't physically ready. He wasn't up to par with the skating. And I see that kind of in Alex Nylander, But the advantage that Nylander has compared to Sam when he was here is that Reinhardt had to go back to juniors and play one more year um, in juniors with Kootenai. However, Nylander, since he's on loan from Sweden, he has his choices. He can go wherever he really wants to go. Um, it would be much tougher, of course, for him to go to the NHL because he has to earn it, but uh, if not, he can always go to the AHL and develop there, and you know, his brother is going to be most likely playing in the AHL next year, uh, for a little bit at least. I think that he'll either be called up Relatively quickly for for the Leafs, or he might just start out the season on the Leafs. I know that going into training camp for the Maple Leafs, Mike Babcock has said that Willie Nealander will be on a line with Austin Matthews. That could be. That could be very lethal down the road. That could be a thing. Uh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to to anticipate. Really, I think that the the rivalry between the Leafs and Sabers is going to be a really fun rivalry to watch for many, many years to come. It might take another year or two for it to really develop and be super competitive and be just we wanna, you know you know, we wanna rip the hair out of our heads when we talk about the Leafs or, you know, we want to pick fights with them or whatever. But it'll take a couple of years before we really get to that point. But again, the the rivalry between the Leafs and the Sabres is really on the on the uprise and it's going to be a lot of fun coming up. Uh, over the next few days. So that'll just about do it here on Saturday morning here on WGR. Thanks to Derek Kramer for coming in, running the board. I know that Nate Geary and most likely Ryan Gates will be back next week. So that means I'll likely be back on the board, running things behind the glass, making sure everything's going all nice and smoothly here on the program. But thanks again to Derek Kramer. Thanks again to Nick Filipowski for coming in and talking uh, some Sabres and everything really going on this morning. I'm Brayton Wilson. We'll talk to you all next week here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.